Cannonball, cannonball, and cannonball, and cannonball, cannonball, and cannonball, and cannonball, cannonball. David Carradine in the tightest dick pants that I've ever seen. Music. Pictures podcast where we talk about every movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. I've got a panic. <laughs> 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 hmm. <laughs> I've got a cannonball in my pants. <laughs> and Erica. Hey, me too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Now, in our last episode, we talked about Rock and Roll High School, and I said that might be the most New World movie to ever New World, but that's because I hadn't seen 1976 Cannonball! I mean to win this one, and if you so much as come in 100 miles with me, you're going to wind up in my tire tracks right up your... Toughest drivers in the annual Transamerican Outlaw Road Race. Get me the Highway Patrol. Squealing, smashing, crashing. It's a cross country demolition derby. Car the winner. Cannonball, rated PG. It was PG? <laughs> that was PG? Oh, David wow. Carradine's pants alone should make it an R. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if uh, we're always curious what the outline of David Carradine's scrotum looks like. <laughs> This is the movie to watch. Uh, we're talking, of course, Cannonball, sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, already getting to my favorite scene. <laughs> I mean, this is a very New World movie. There is so many New World people. Much like Rock and Roll High School, we have the, almost the same people. We have Paul Bartel. We have Mary Warrenov. But we also have Alan Arkish. We have Joe Dante. We have uh, Martin Scorsese. We, we have Sylvester Stallone. We've got a couple other people from uh, Death Race 2000. I mean, it is just chock- Dick Miller. Full- Dick Miller. We've got a Keech. As well. we got a Keech from uh, <laughs> Love Letters is James Keech. We've got a ton of New World people in this. It is a New World extravaganza. As I said, Paul Bartel... He directs this. He shows up. He also co-wrote co-wrote it, and he also plays piano playing gangster named Lester, <laughs> and who's supposed to be timid, intimidating, and yet his name is mm-hmm. Lester. So mm-hmm. he is really doing it all in this one. And this is his follow up to Death Race Two Thousand, which he did because he did Death Race Two Thousand for a whole year and basically uh, did that for only five thousand dollars. So by the time that was over, he desperately needed money. And he was now seen as an action racing director. So he was given the opportunity to make 
this movie, Cannonball! Cannonball! And he also rewrote uh, the script. It was originally written by Don Simpson. Hmm. Don Simpson is also in this movie as well. He plays the assistant to the district attorney. The district attorney is played by Roger Corman! That's yep. how new world this movie is. Yeah. Um, Don Simpson went on to become a producing partner with Jerry Bruckheimer, producing such things as Top Gun and Bad Boys and Beverly Hills Cop and Flashdance. He also died on the toilet. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. In 1996. So. God. Mark's really up on his Don Simpson knowledge. I hope I don't die on the toilet because that means I'll break my phone. <laughs> You don't know that. Oh. You don't know that. Oh, I'll drop it. The I kids it. need to inherit something. Yeah. I want them to have my phone. This movie, <laughs> this movie is so amazing because it's all those things that you mentioned. Essentially, a reunion of the Death Race 2000 cast and crew. Yeah. Yeah. It's another cross-country road movie. Right. Sands. All the violence, all the futuristic <laughs> yeah. cars, yeah. all the nudity, and yet it's amazing. It's real fun. How? How did they do it? Paul Bartel, baby. Paul Bartel. Oh. He makes it fun. He makes he, it fun. He is, he is the best gangster in this movie. I hate yeah, to say is. no. The song they <laughs> sing. Uh, once he started to sing that song, I was uh-huh. like... I- no matter what happens from here on out, I love this movie. And it was Cole Porter-esque. It really was that little It really song. was. I was like, good for ask. you. Ask. Oh, God, ask. I love yes. this. Ask. But uh, um, this, of course, stars, the main star of this is David Carradine. This is his third film with Corman after doing Death Race 2000 and Boxcar Bertha, which was directed by Martin Scorsese. He basically had such a great time working on Death Race that he was like, yeah, let's do Cannonball. Cannonball. Here's where you can watch the movie. You can watch it on YouTube. We watched the Blue Underground DVD. Hell yeah, we did. Uh, Heck yeah, we did. And it looked really good. But you can find it on YouTube. You can look around. I don't think it's... I think you can rent it on Amazon Prime. I don't think it's... That's where I watched it. Okay. Amazon Prime. Now, this is Erica's pick. So, I gotta ask Erica, why Cannonball? Cannonball! Um... Why not? I was looking through it and I felt like, wait a minute, Cannonball. And of course, immediately I thought of Cannonball Run and thought of all other movies. Appropriate. All other Cannonball titled movies. The precursor to the Cannonball Run franchise is Cannonball. Cannonball. This is another one of those movies that has an exclamation point. So I feel like you have to say it. Yeah. That's a couple, I think. I think it just has the one, like 18, again! Yeah. That's why it's canon. <laughs> but I ha- I hadn't seen it. Right. Um, I thought it looked interesting, and I thought, wait, David Carradine's in another car movie? Yeah. So why not? I blind picked it, and it did not disappoint. And I was fully prepared for it to disappoint. Now, let's get into what this movie is about. You've heard us talk a little bit about Cannonball! Cannonball! But let's find out what this movie is about. Mark. What is Cannonball about? Cannonball. It's about the challenges and pitfalls of live recording in a moving automobile. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It could almost be a field engineer's recording manual because it really covers all the the possible Mm -hmm. circumstances where you could drop the connection, have an equipment malfunction. I mean, every every, um, roadie's nightmare 
is captured in this movie. Yeah, yeah. it really does Good show point. like, you know, go ahead and rent the studio. It's worth it. <laughs> Spend the money. Spend the but money. The, it's okay. But the acoustics in that Plymouth, you know, it's hard Plus to you, you always have the hum of that engine behind you. So you always get that in the mm-hmm. in the mics. It keeps nice. you in tune. It's like a tuning fork. <laughs> yeah. Erica, yeah. what is this movie about? Uh, one of the many reasons I love this movie is because it was obviously a character study of men who are assholes. Mm. You know, <laughs> different kinds, every different that asshole that you'd true. want. Yeah, the sleazy, true. lying asshole mm-hmm. who's throwing this underground race. The, uh, you know, fresh out of jail mm-hmm. Re- mm-hmm. convict. Mm-hmm. The uh, guy who's just mean for no reason, who gives two people a ride. Right. Yeah, right, <laughs> the, right. The guy who's tricking a couple by taking their car and instead of safely driving it cross country has entered it into a race. And then gets really into the girls in the van. Yeah, crooked cops. A cheater. A cheater. A full-blown yeah, cheater. A full not blown, only in the race, uh, yeah. but a, a, to his, his wife. wife and kids. Yeah. I mean, it's a character study and dudes who are jerks. That's all true. Now, for me, I had to say, I felt like this movie proves that if you want to take a cross country race you don't even need to leave california <laughs> it's got all it. the country you can, you can do it one you can do it in one state yeah in my in my and I'll, i'm just uh, we're gonna jump to the end uh so for my things that i loved <laughs> because you brought it up i and uh, i love paul bartell's vision of america which is <laughs> the entire all of the United States is basically the Valley and the Inland Empire. It all looks <laughs> yeah. like a little that. bit of and, downtown, a little <laughs> smack right. of downtown. But, yep. but it's basically the Valley until you get uh, to Brooklyn, or or, <laughs> <Yeah>. get, or, <laughs> or get to the New Jersey Tunnel into yeah. into Manhattan. That, that, they only that, call that the New Jersey Turnpike. I don't think that's the New Jersey Turnpike. I'm pretty sure that's probably Pasadena. They probably shot it somewhere around. The 210 extension that they were right. building, which is where they do the big uh, launch scene of the car. Sure. So, yeah. uh, so a lot of a lot of chips episodes were shot on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was good enough for chips. Yeah. Let's do the letterbox synopsis. Uh, we're on letterbox. Find us there. Give us a follow if you could. And I think this one's pretty accurate. Coy uh, Cannonball Buckman, David Carradine and his blazing red Pontiac enter the Trans-America Grand Prix, an underground road race spanning the continent in which there are no rules, no speed limits, and no heed for the law. The last part is right. The first part is right. The middle part, there are speed limits because they're dictated by, you know, the states, and Mm -hmm. uh, so there are speed limits. Right. En route, Buckman jockeys with an international ensemble of racers for a hundred thousand dollar purse there's only one international entry into this yeah there's one guy from another country everyone else is american but fair enough uh but there are none more important than Cade redmond bill mckinney his direct competition for a guaranteed spot on the elite modern motors racing team which is fair enough in terms of the plot line i think that's that's pretty Mm -hmm. much accurate and if you miss like one critical scene, the modern motors thing will make zero sense. Because yes. it literally comes yeah. up one right. time. Yep. It mm-hmm. comes up as Never they're again. on the like Santa yeah. Monica Pier yeah. for mm-hmm. a, a second. And then at the end, it sort of is brought up again because that guy is again 
in New mm-hmm. York or whatever whatever yeah. warehouse they shot the end scene in in California. But he's back again and says, let's go talk. He never really mentions that he's yeah. got a spot on the team. Yeah. No. But yes. I love the no. idea that they just no. like talk about stuff. <laughs> he's like, let's go talk. And he's like, hey, do you like candles? Like, it just, they don't even talk about, like, racing or the team. He's just like, he's like, are you a flapjack or waffle guy? Like, they just never, ever talk about driving. I have this really odd rash. Can I show you? <laughs> I know you're not a doctor. You just got out of jail no, and you race it's, cars. But... I, it's, it's, in, it's, it's under the scrot. So it's oh, not, like, is it's that It's under cool? the cannon. Boa. <laughs> also, Cannonball. was anybody else confused about who or what cannonball was? I spent a good portion of the beginning of the movie wondering and asking out loud, much to Ryan's annoyance, what's Cannibal? Is a car Cannibal? Is David Carradine Cannibal? What is, Cannibal? is Cannibal? Who is that Cannibal? That is his nickname. That is his the, nickname. But the car has got Cannibal on it. So Eric was like, oh, okay, so the car is called Cannibal? I was like, I don't know. Then they start calling the guy Cannibal. Then Cannibal has a buddy who dresses up like him yeah. and drives another car that looks identical that also says Cannibal. So she's like, it's like who who's Cannibal? Cannibal? Who's Cannibal? Don't you think that if you're going to do this transatlantic drive that is illegal and people know it as a Cannonball race, you wouldn't want to put Cannonball on your car? Isn't yeah. that kind of a dead yeah. ringer that you might be in the race? And he mm-hmm. didn't put it on one car. He put it on both. On yeah. Two. Which, put it on two. He had I, a print on a hat. Which I never fully understood that whole situation. I I, I, I mean, I, I think there that. was a decoy and then there was like, I'm going to get in trouble. So I need you to back me up and you're my best friend. And I'm pretty sure I'll let you fuck my girlfriend. But I never got like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what's ultimately the plan here? So, so David Carradine technically is Coy Cannonball Buckman. And his girlfriend is actually Veronica Hamill, who is playing uh, Linda, his girlfriend. And uh, Hamill was known mostly for her role on Hill Street Blues. Uh, and to modern audiences, oh. he she also played Jack's mom on Lost. Oh! So... <laughs> I was like, Hill Street Blues. Oh, Jack's mom on Lost? <gasps> oh! <laughs> yeah. God. So, uh, this is... But this is her I'm first... I'm an exciting lady! <laughs> Jack's mom, I'm lost. I'm having a real cannonball. Holy over crap! Here. <laughs> I'm cannonballing right now. But this is her first credited screen role. So this is her first big screen role. Oh. She had done a lot of TV beforehand, but this is her first big screen role. And a lot of TV and afterwards. <laughs> her but his buddy is named is Zippo, and that guy uh-huh. is played by Archie Hahn, who was a uh, he was a member of the uh, Groundlings, and hmm. he's an actor who went on to work with Joe Dante a bunch in several movies. But I was like, where do I remember that guy from? And then I figured it out. He was the room service guy in This Is Spinal Tap. He's the guy who brings in the tray where they're staying in the hotel. Right, right. Oh, my God. Wow, that's a good pull. Uh, Wow. So anyway, um, then, of course, we have Dick Miller, who plays uh, Carradine's older brother, Benny. Now, Erica was also like, wait a minute. Are Dick Miller and is he older? <laughs> He's the older He's brother. He's the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to look this up, and I and 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 uh, Dick Miller is indeed eight years or was eight years older than David Carradine. So if well, you say so. it still is. 
mean, yes. Both of them have passed on at this point, but yes. Yeah, but they haven't, they haven't, like, their years have not decreased. That eight-year gap will always exist, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, there's an actual another Carradine in the movie. Right? It's true. There's a double, it's double Carradine action in this. But Dick Miller's the older brother. Got it. Dick Miller's yeah, the older brother. It. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, I mean, there's no way Robert Carradine was going to play the older brother. He looks incredibly young in this. But well, um, that would have made a legit confusing thing for Erica. The thing that confused me, though. Oh, don't worry. Erica was so confused about many things during this movie. <laughs> the thing that confused me was that when we see, now, first of all, we see we see Zippo only upside down for their first scene. So when mm-hmm. we do see him right side up, I was like, who is that guy? There was that confusing yeah. moment. Right, right, It's right. hard to recognize him when he's upside down the entire time because he's working underneath the car. But when, uh, but when we... He's not go... technically upside down. He's just laying on his back. Correct. Like he's we, not we, actually being... They, the camera not, shows they haven't him. Hung, they haven't hung the, the, the car vertically and he's hanging upside down like a circus act. Working on the car. Believe what you want to believe, Mark. You know? <laughs> Pretty sure they didn't put the car into the Nightmare on Elm Street spinning room. And nope. that's where we're introduced. I, I don't know. You weren't there. <laughs> that's true. Were you there? That's very you true. There? I was not there. I could not. I don't know. That, you know, that's the magic of filmmaking right there. <laughs> that's right. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Because it was in a dimly lit garage and we move immediately to another dimly lit garage and we don't have anything to really, there was no transitional shot of like a new location. Suddenly we were in the same, another dimly lit garage where Dick Miller and his buddy are like planting like explosives. And I was like, is he planting an explosive on David Carradine's car? And I was very confused for most of this movie that he was trying to like, sabotage his own brother i was like is this happening and this theory was only fueled by the fact that benny then sends his guy out later to take out david carradine even though what he's trying to do is take out zippo because he doesn't know zippo is in the race because like you said the fact that he has zippo in the exact same car as him dressed exactly like him it's i don't know what the point of that is uh so it's all very, that's all a little confusing. It's super convoluted. And it also raises another point, which is who's the hotter Carradine? <laughs> I'm glad you guys asked because I myself was really pondering it. Like who is the hotter brother? John, well, David? I was going to say John Carradine, but if you're talking specifically <laughs> their father, but if you want to talk about who's... <laughs> Well, that would track with my interests. <laughs> Who's the hotter Carradine? Well, yeah. I will. I don't know who is David. Uh, without without a doubt. Now, the nicer Carradine is Robert. He might be the only character, mm-hmm. male character in this movie that isn't an asshole. Yes, but yes. he true. also he also can't fucking figure his way around a fan belt. You're driving a fucking car across the country in a fucking race, and you can't figure out how to fix a fucking fan belt. That is ridiculous. Well, but there was there's no place to get a fan belt within 200 miles. You you know you're driving a piece of shit 70s Corvette. You got to bring an extra fan belt with you. That's well, how it's it not works. Their Corvette. It's it's her, it's her dad. They couldn't pack a fan belt. They had to pack that guitar. <laughs> 
Thank Very you. Important. Thank you, Erica. Yes, my, my point is validated. So, so uh, I, then that leads me to a question, but I'll finish this carroting thing out. I honestly, I, you know, rewatching that movie today, this is probably the most attractive. I think Robert Carradine has been in a movie that I've seen him in, by the way, I was wondering, is this the only Robert Carradine movie we're going to see with New World? No. Oh, God. We no. have many oh, more. Boy. Many? Oh. We, oh, we have, yes. Huh. He's in a bunch more. Wow. So we're fine. We got plenty more Robert Carradine to come. Boy, he and David were really, really going for the most New World pictures well, by <laughs> including a Carradine award. Well, David Carradine had had a contract with Roger Corman. So we're, we're coming... Wow. Closer to the end of our David Carradine time because we've already talked about Death Race 2000, Death right. Sport, and this. So we we are you know we're kind of running low on our David Carradines, but mm-hmm. we have plenty more Robert Carradines to oh, come. Good. So wow. good. So good. we're so we're good on that. But I do think this is probably like the way his hair feathers and stuff in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty handsome. I'm gonna wait. Go- who? Robert. Okay. I'm going Robert in this. Wow. I'm going Robert. Okay. So we got a I'm David not, and a Robert. Woo! I'm the tiebreaker. Nice. Well, I mean, he's got his he's got his weird teeth. That's the thing that made him he, they, Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, material. Material. Ready. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I will say I did not realize they were brothers, number one, until Ryan told me. Um, <laughs> number two. They just coincidentally had that. Same last had name. Had a unique name of Carradine. Well, I don't read <laughs> the know, opening credits. I'm not, Smith, you know. Wilson, Washington, Carradine. It's all the common names. Well, I didn't realize it until we were watching it. And then Ryan goes, that's that's Robert Carradine. And I was like, what? Those two are brothers? Because I don't I don't see the similarities. But I actually, when I then, when I then thought about it, was like, no, I was introduced to Robert Carradine first because of Revenge of the Nerds. Of course. Yeah. Because I'm not familiar with David Carradine until Kill Bill. Oh, okay. oh, oh, which okay. what it, which is what locks him into my memory and sure. immediately makes him the hottest because you watch Kill Bill and you're like, uh, this dude got Uma Thurman. What is it? What is it about him? And you just fall for it because he landed it. His character landed Bill landed Uma Thurman sure. somehow and impregnated her somehow. So watching this he obviously is much younger and looks very different from his character in Kill Bill. But I have to say, David, I don't know. There's just, I so, wasn't, I wasn't feeling so you it. thought David was hotter because of Kill Bill, but also he's still hotter here. <laughs> yes. Thank you for, thank you. Yes. Thank you for connecting with us. But also, I just want to provide some backstory. Okay. Um. There's something about those, like, eh, those tight pants. So we're in the tightest yeah. pants I've oh, ever yeah. seen to drive a car. Because like when I when I go on a road trip myself, I immediately unbutton my pants. And I drive unbuttoned <laughs> right. and unzipped sure. because it's sure. more comfortable. And the fact that he was wearing the tightest pants I've ever seen on a man. Very tight. I like I to mean, keep my boys snug when I go on a long drive. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just tight and snug. Yeah, He's uh, definitely, David Carradine liked his scroat on that left leg. Yeah. On the left thigh, Stop he liked to keep it. He liked to keep. You need it to call it firmly, the cannonball. <laughs> firmly planted on the left thigh. That's Sorry, where he you liked need to it. call it the carrot ball. <laughs> smooth. Very no, smooth. I'm working on it. I'm workshopping the, that, that. It's the carrot dick. 
<laughs> wow, there it is. The Caradong. The, the Caradong. The Caradong. There are. Caradong. Even Guys, better. We Even better. We found it. We Even better. Found it. All right, who's going to Carad- send out who's going to send out the minutes on this one? <laughs> <laughs> We've Guys, landed on a conclusion. Gonna... David is the hotter brother because of his Caradong. <laughs> I've been Done. outvoted. The Caradong. Robert, call me. You know, you know I find you very well, handsome. Well, he's number 2. Robert's number 2. <laughs> well, there's only two Caradines in the movie. Shh. Unless you think Dick Miller's also a Caradine, which we already covered. He's not. <laughs> I probably could have been convinced. <laughs> uh, we, I, I, whether or not Dick Miller was wearing very tight pants, I don't recall because that bright red coat really. Ooh, I couldn't. Coat. Yeah. I couldn't see Ooh. past that very red pleather coat. Like it's not yeah. a leather coat. It's not no, real leather. Also, don't you yeah. think there was yeah. a quick minute when in the scene where Dick Miller's kind of sending. Uh, David Carradine's character Cannonball off, and he's like, "I love you," and he kind of like they have like a kiss, and he mm-hmm. kind of like like chuckles a bit. Don't you feel like that? Maybe like Dick Miller broke for a second, or was that just me? I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember that. I actually thought that was very warm, and I was confused because at that point I was like, "But why are you planting C four underneath his car?" Yeah. I was very confused at that point. So I uh, thought he was. It was just very touched in the moment, and that's yeah. the kind of like giggle that comes from that. Oh, all right, but. Yeah. What I what I have well, that to that makes say, it though, even sweeter. I'm glad it's that. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna but, uh, think let, that's that rather than a break. Let's let's also make sure we say we have to get the t-shirt manufacturers uh, on the Caradong t-shirt. Oh God, yes, <laughs> God, yes. We have to make yep. sure we no problem yeah. get that ready. We're working. On on, we're already workshopping that one. But I think it's an interesting character choice for David Carradine in this one. He's coming off of Death Race 2000, and he's playing Frankenstein. You know who's this? Ultimately, mm-hmm. we find out misunderstood, but very menacing character that everyone is afraid of, that he's supposed to have been in all these accidents and he's, you know, has all these injuries and looks sort of mutated in some way. He leaves that role to play basically the most passive action hero ever in a New World movie where, let's face it, he's not that good at his job. He, no. Yeah, he's, no. he's yeah. he doesn't know a whole lot about cars. Yeah, uh, right. He falls asleep and almost kills himself. Like yep. not falls asleep and does a little swerve and is like, "Ooh, okay, keep your eyes open." Like he flat out wrecks mm-hmm. his car and yeah. almost yeah. dies. Yeah, and, and his um, nemesis gets him at every turn. Every yeah. turn, shoots they, they his get, tire out. Yeah, they he... get into that fight in the in the roadside bar restaurant. The, the, the gas station... Coy gets his ass stuff. kicked. His nemesis goes running out. And Coy doesn't hightail it out there to be like, you know, he's probably fucking with my car again. No. Yeah. He just also, pulls out some change to pay the guys. No, no reason. They're just, no they reason, just are. right? They no just okay. are. I just want to make sure I, I thought I ask. missed something. Honestly, like, I why are know. they enemies? I, I, that's I, I actually have down here. Did anyone catch the beef that was between them? I literally had <laughs> yeah. it as a question. Nope. I don't know. I no. don't get yeah. why they're okay. against nobody. I thought, does. I thought maybe I just missed it. Even Dave, even Coy Cannonball doesn't know. He has yeah. no idea. But what also makes him truly passive in my mind is his. I don't. I don't think it's a choice. I think he actually forgot to button up his shirt during the entire movie, because mm. even at the end, when he goes to the hospital to see his girlfriend, he never. He doesn't button up the shirt. Like, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, any one of us would be like, you know, today's this is not the moment to be 
flexing my awesome physique. But maybe he loses butt, the maybe shirt I'll... at some point in yeah. the movie. He goes like just. Yeah, but when he goes back to the hospital, he's got the pink shirt unbuttoned. He just got the zipped the hoodie. Scarf. He's got the unzipped hoodie and yeah. no shirt on. Unzipped hoodie and an ass. And, still, and the scarf still got the around scarf. his neck. Still yeah. got the scarf like he's a, a Wobegon speed racer. He's, <laughs> and the where, tightest where, pants I've ever seen. Chin and chin. moccasin shoes. <laughs> and moccasins. His yeah, outfit he, is crazy. He dro- so, I was like, when we first started, I was like, is he going to ru- do the whole race in those moccasins? Yeah. Answer, yes. Yeah, correct. <laughs> he also kicks a guy's ass in moccasins. <laughs> but we can all agree that he brought his own wardrobe to the set, right? Well, oh, they they I had to so. get an they had to get an alternate of that wardrobe for Zippo. So whatever if it was his what he had, they had to say, "What are you going to wear for the movie so we can get the same thing for Zippo?" Because he they had to dre- get the exact same. He was th- dressed like what I wear to take out the trash. <laughs> like, I don't know, super uh, tight. Your tightest jeans, a sweatshirt, and just some jeans and slip on moccasins. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Oh, and an escot to make it fancy. <laughs> so you think he showed up to the set wearing that and had like a double in a bag and he's like, hey, this is what you're wearing for Hope this movie. this fits. <laughs> the guy like puts it on. He's like, oh my God, my balls. This is so painful. <laughs> so tight. Cannonball. <laughs> You'll get used to it. You'll be fine. You'll get used to it. By the way, didn't you think that like a race that offers like a prize of $100,000, don't you think there'd be more drivers? I felt like there should be more people. And, and yeah. there are in that initial parking lot, but apparently they are immediately dusted by our main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't seem, they just seem to disappear. But didn't you think there should have been more? Well, it is an illegal race. Yeah. So I, that's no, gonna... I felt like there should have been more because there was a banner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you they go printed the a, trouble, ba- a banner was printed. So well, if you're going to print a banner. Not printed, painted, I think. Painted. But, yeah. Either way, a banner was involved. You would think it would be larger. <laughs> but the crowd. banner just said, like, start here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can mean anything, really. Well, but right? they did put an ad in the paper. They put like a generic that's ad true, in the paper. That's true. Okay, but um, still. So let's let's quickly meet our uh, let's meet our racers. By the way, let's start in order that they're introduced, and we're introduced immediately to Stanley Bennett Clay as Butel, who is borrowing a car to drive from L.A. to New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of thought he would have a larger role due to the fact of when he's introduced. He sort of does semi bookend the movie. We end with his story. Um, And he has a great line at the end. He does. Yes, Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But I kind of thought he would be a bigger factor. He sort of then finds himself along with the girls in the van. And that's kind of as far as his 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 uh, story extends. But I don't but I liked that his I, I know that you brought up the van with the girls and we'll get to that. But I also thought that it was funny that his car and his role he kind of just became the guy that always was dry like ha- getting sideswiped or somehow ha- driving into the side of the road and ending right, up in the ditch right. just repeatedly ending up in the ditch which you know obviously the payoff is he's being asked he's he's borrowed this car from a rich couple and they're going to meet him in new york so you know that this is set up for him to destroy the car as much as possible yeah. but i kind of found it like a funny comedic relief that every time he showed up you were like Wait for it. He's gonna drive yeah, off the road into the ditch at some point. That way for yeah, like little yeah. injections of comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll also get to know um, 
Clay a bit more when we review Private Duty Nurses, which he was also in for New World. Oh. But speaking of same, the women, same role, was he playing the same character? We we'll have to find out. Boy, okay. the, the shared yeah. universe. Let's was Woo! how far how how forward was Roger Corman? Was he thinking into the future? Uh, I would I'd like to think so. But let's go to the women in the van. We'll start with Mary Warrenoff, who plays Sandy. She's driving her two friends in a minivan. Uh, that's not a minivan. That's a van van. That's, that's a van, just a van. van. Sorry. That, you're yeah. right. That is a, that's a van. That's a full-size van. It's a full-size van. And she did most of her stuff shot in a day because she doesn't know how to drive. So <gasps> they shot a lot of her stuff in the studio with guys pushing the van back and forth because she doesn't know how to drive at all. Wow. Now, she picks up her two friends who are waitresses at Tiny Nailers. It's a it's a restaurant which uh, chain which was popular at the time and started by the guy who supposedly who created the patty melt. Huh. huh. Now that tiny nailers is on the corner of Sunset and La Brea, which is like a couple different restaurants at this point across the street. Currently is like a Burger King. Yeah. Uh, going up La Brea, it's on the left hand side. It's no longer there. But what a cool looking thing mm. and. Apparently, it was described by Humphrey Bogart as like looking like it had wings, like it was about to take off. Anyway, I spent some time researching Tiny Nailers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, man, I wish that restaurant existed today. Um, it's a tiny nailer, nailer for money. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Me. I was like, so, all of a sudden, Ryan's looking at like overly short male prostitutes. <laughs> That's what, when you type in Tylee Naylor, that's what comes up. Yeah. Yep. And when it comes up, you don't stop the research. Much (laughs) like Butel, we don't really know much about Sandy or her friends. There's some characters in here that get a little short shrift Mm -hmm. and she's definitely one of them. Um, But also let's move on to Kate Redman, who is played by Bill McKinney, as we mentioned. He's Carradine's nemesis for what reason we don't know. And I guess his whole trip is being paid for by this country Western musician, Perman Waters, who's played by Garrett Graham, who we remember from The Annihilators. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we do. How could we forget? He also played the titular role of Chud 2, Bud the Chud. I I, I missed that one. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, uh, not all of us did the extra credit for that episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you, Ryan. (laughs) You did did the Lord's work, right? (laughs) Thank you. And uh, also Perman's manager, Sharma Capri, which is played by Junie Canova, and her final screen performance. Oh. Getting back to McKinney, he was in a bunch of Clint Eastwood stuff in the 1970s, including Thunder, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, The Outlaw Josie Wales, The Gauntlet, Every Which Way But Loose, and its sequel. But this is the only New World appearance of him as far as I can tell. So that's a bummer, because I kind of liked him here, even if I didn't understand what was going on between them. Sure. Then we also go on to James Keach, who plays Wolf Messer. He's the German auto racer who dresses like an old sea captain. (laughs) (laughs) Who is who is donning just the most over the top fake German accent? Oh, my gosh. It's so it is. It is a borderline chef's kiss on that German Mm -hmm. accent. Yeah. Yeah. And And then he makes fun of American automobiles, but he's in a Pantera. Yeah. He's making fun about how crappy American automobiles are, but he's uh, Pantera had a Ford engine in it. Yes, exactly. I knew you would know that. I knew you would know that. Also, he's he's 
the the movie is trying to say that the Pantera is faster than the than the Pontiac Trans Am, but the Pantera had a, a three hundred fifty horsepower engine. Well, like a General Pantera had a three thirty, but let's assume that was the GTS had a three three fifty horsepower engine. But the nineteen seventy Pontiac Trans Am had a three hundred forty five horsepower engine. So those five horses are not significant enough for him to think that his car is that far superior. Also. The Demitasso Pantera was known to have terrible reliability problems, hence why Elvis shot his own Pantera because he couldn't get it to start one day and he got out of it. He pulled his, he had a gun in the glove compartment. He got out of it, slammed the door and shot through the door that went through the steering wheel. And if you go to the Peterson Auto Museum, that Pantera is down in the basement and it still has the bullet hole in the door and the steering wheel that Elvis shot. Wow. <laughs> wow. Way to crunch the numbers on the wow. So Pantera, Mark. Wow. Also, our neighbors in Orange County when we were growing up had one. My, our mom and dad think that they were Coke dealers. And I always wanted to <laughs> dr- ride in one. And so, like, the mom was going to uh, go run an errand and was going to take me to go with her. And I was finally going to get to ride in the Pantera. And... She pulled up in front of the house and was talking with mom for, I mean, I'm four years old. So yeah, I must say to we me, were this so was little, I don't remember was, any of this to, well, yeah, you were like one. Yeah. Uh, so you should, we, we were about it. to move to San Diego. So this is, but this I remember sitting there and she, I mean, in my mind, she was talking, they were talking for 45 minutes to an hour. It might've been only five to 10 minutes, but in that time, <laughs> the car started to smoke. Oh. <gasps> And she went, oh, oh, something's wrong with the car. Yeah, we're going to have to get that fixed. And I never got to ride in that fucking thing. And I was so mad at our mom about that. Like, you, wow. if you would just shut the fuck up, I could have oh! been riding in a Pantera. Even at four. I had Even that. at four, he wow. that word. Yeah. No um, cuss box, even at four. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I hadn't moved to the Midwest yet, so I didn't understand the nuances of friggin'. <laughs> oh, man. Once you freaking heard that, oh, freaking awesome. Uh, moving along to the other racers, we already talked about Robert Carradine. He's playing Jim. We also have his girlfriend, Marianne, played by Belinda Belaski, who appeared in Piranha and a bunch of other Joe Dante movies. Belinda Belaski just sounds like, Belinda Belinda Belinda. Yeah, it does. But she's very charming in this. Belinda Belaski, Belinda Belinda Belinda. Lastly, is family man Terry McMillan. <laughs> Uh, in his Chevy Blazer, Family Man. Family Man. Of course, he. I, he I'm he doing was... this for you, for you, family. That's what right. I'm doing asshole. this for I you and the him kids. The most. Yeah. Ugh. He's played by Carl Gottlieb, the writer of the original Jaws, and also Jaws oh. Two, and also Jaws 3D. Oh. Um, his mistress is played by Louisa Moritz, who played Sylvester Stallone's navigator in Death Race 2000. Mm-hmm. Oh, and despite right, right, right. the fact that they spend most of the movie like in a ho- motel room, Erica, what's the titty count? It's zero. Yeah, it's zero. We got no titties in this. Yeah. That's why it's PG. No titties at all. I'm still surprised it's PG, though. I am, too. Mostly because the outline in those pants, that Caradong. Yeah, the Caradong is... is... The Caradong is real. And then there's yep. also, like, sort of a bathtub scene between... But again, there's nothing shown in that That's scene. That's true. It's just legs. It, they're all, it's all bubbles. Yeah. It's all bubbles. Yeah. When they're actually having sex, that scene, 
it's all the cameras only on Carl Gottlieb and she's right. talks, but she's off camera. Mm-hmm. So like they, there's no, yeah, there's nothing shown. Yeah. And the cops get down to their skivvies, but that's as far as that gets. Then, yeah. then they're seduced by the girls in the van. All right. I mean, I'm yeah. still just going to use a high voice when I say I'm surprised it's PG. I agree. I, it's, <laughs> it's one of those like mid 70s. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's PG. It still has language. It's got violence. It's got, you know, some blood in it. But like, yeah. you know, no boobs. So I guess PG. So, yeah. so I guess you're going to watch it with the kids this week. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Might as well just put it on. Yeah. You know? Well, there's no PG-13 at that time. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. only, it's it's either R or PG. Not quite R, so mm-hmm. it's PG. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, Mark and I saw a lot of movies we probably shouldn't have when we were growing up because... Well, also, you know, I mean, you're a bad boy. So, you know, it's... Well, I guess we got some bad boy parents because they <laughs> didn't know what they were doing and they just showed us a bunch of movies they thought might be fine. Like Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, which we watched so many times. Like yes. that is <laughs> at an age that we shouldn't have been watching it any one time. So, nope. yeah, that. Oh, anyway, that's, that's for another my pie. episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, huh. exactly. Yeah, yep. the end of that movie yeah. is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of problematic, let's talk about. <laughs> that's right we're gonna talk about the things we love and the things we hated about cannonball Cannonball. uh mark what's something you loved i have a question for you i'd love to get your advice on this sure and this is something that i loved but i'd love to know your what your take is during this whole race there is a team that is in a helicopter that is mm-hmm. following and tracking all the people, all the racers. Okay. Sure. And the, as we know, the Cannonball Run, if anyone that can look this up, because they just ran the Cannonball Run, they got the best time for the Cannonball Run last year because of COVID. There was no one on the, on the road, so they had the world record for the Cannonball Run. But it's generally 2,900 miles is the general distance that you need to travel for the for the cannonball run the helicopter that they're flying in is like a, it's a bell 47 or a bell 47 heli- derivative helicopter which has a range of about 246 miles which means you're gonna have to fill up the tank on that at least 12 times Ooh. as you're going oh. across following uh all these cars okay the Bell 47 has a 61-gallon tank. The average pump speed is uh, for, a, for a general gas pump is about 13 gallons per minute. So that's going to put you at about five minutes to fill 61 gallons. When you take takeoff and landing, a takeoff and landing for a helicopter is anywhere between five and 10 minutes. If you put in all the clearance time for, for ATC, we're probably talking a half hour for takeoff and landing. In the meantime, you have the cars that are continuing to drive. So my question is, how do they keep track of the cars at night? God, this feels like one of those, like, there's a train going east 50 miles an hour and a train going west at 50 miles an hour. When will they crash or something less (laughs) violent? I don't um, know. I don't know how they kept track of the cars at night. I hate to answer. I don't want to answer a question with a question. But, Mark, the question was things you loved. (laughs) 
Not does Erica. Not, do you have another question about this film? <laughs> uh, so I think the thing I loved is they somehow were able to keep track of all the racers in a helicopter yes. across the entire United States. I think eventually teams had their own spotter. Um, not explained in the movie. Not just explained like, in the movie, but that is... Just like, just, why is Redmond so mad at Co- Coy Cannonball? Not explained? Not explained. Yeah. We don't also know. Not ex- yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just a given. It's just a given. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just a given. Huh. Those guys in the helicopter show up so infrequently, too, that it's I like... I kind of forgot about them, if I'm honest. Yeah, you honestly, you you see them a bit in the beginning, and they sort of give some tallies, and then you kind of, like, forget. That, that was an element they could have used more. Yeah, they should have used more because yeah. they're the ones that are keeping track of yeah, everything that's going on. Yeah, keeping track of who's, in, who's leading, yeah. who's not, which would have been good information to kind of continue to let us know what's happening. But they but obviously they... totally sucked at their job because they didn't recognize that the blazer never made it on the road. Right. 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 That shouldn't have been a surprise yeah. at the end. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Why wasn't somebody going, where in the hell's the blazer? Right. God, they they probably terrible. kept saying, "Well, we probably lost him during that fill up because you know we had to we had to go off yep. the interchange yep. and then we had to go to the airport and get the fill up." That so we we'll catch up to the blazer later. So so these are great points. Did you love anything, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I I think I was uh, pretty clear in all of that, Ryan. I loved the Pantera. <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough. Erica, something you loved. Oh God, so many things. It's hard to it's hard to besides, really pick. Uh David Carradine's tight pants. Yeah. besides the Kara Dong, which I obviously loved. Who doesn't love um, the Kara Dong? I love that his love interest was his parole officer and he had that yeah. line with her, like, can't wait to have you explain how you rehabilitated me. I was like, Oh, rehabilitated that Kara Dong. <laughs> um I love that. I loved um, every time that David Carradine had a fight scene, just because I kept thinking those pants would split. Also, how are you kicking someone and knocking them out in those super soft moccasins? I know. Wouldn't it just feel like poof if they kick you? Poof, poof, poof. Like it wouldn't even hurt. So I love that. I love all the fight scenes. I loved, I'm so glad that you brought up... um, brought up how little we saw you know the character who i'm totally blanking on his name right now which i feel like an idiot the character who was supposed to be driving the car across the country but has entered the race instead you tell yes because we never really get here's what i wanted to find out of him like why did he enter the race like i mean yeah i get he's like gonna use I, I just didn't understand why he was entering the race but he was doing a lot of prep work in that parking lot yeah, like i was like oh we're gonna ready. learn a lot about yeah. this guy we didn't really learn anything about what, what why. Putting tons what of gas doing? cans May- in the car. But it was maybe the hundred thousand Mark- dollars at the end of the yeah, race. I guess so. I guess so. I guess so. I just yeah. thought you know. I mean, outside of the the monetary stuff, I just mm-hmm. I, you know I wanted to know more about the guy. That's all I mean. But go ahead. Your, yeah. Your point is. But I loved that. I always love having a little touchstone. You know, Rock and Roll High School had that with like always stuffing the nerd. In different right, places. Right. So I I will always be a sucker for any kind of little comedy touchstone throughout any movie, how, sure. however great or terrible it is. I loved that. I actually, I'll say just in general, very generally, I loved this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how much I liked it. I thought it was really fun. 
I loved um, when we did see kind of the flashes of the girls in the van because it was so... There wasn't really any consistency as to who mm, we were following. No. Like, obviously, Cannibal is the main character, but really, it, it was very uneven. Sprinkled around for yeah. everyone else. Yeah, for sure. So I loved every time we got to see them and just what they were up to. Yeah, I, I loved a lot about it. Yeah, there's a lot to love here. Um, I mean, that choreographed scene, terrific, uh, That where he gets pulled over by John Hertzfeld, who's playing Sharp, which is his brother Benny's boy who dresses up like a cop and pulls him over. Mm-hmm. Now, he had to choreograph that fight himself because, of course, they had no money, right. so they couldn't choreograph anything. And Hertzfeld apparently had some, some days in amateur boxing before they did anything, but he had no... Uh, experience with martial arts oh. and Carradine is just coming off of finishing Kung Fu, the series of Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot more kicks for him. Whereas yeah. Hertzfeld is punching John Hertzfeld, by the way, is like an actor at the, around this time. He also is a producer, writer, director. Most recently he wrote and directed escape plan. The extractors with Sylvester Stallone in 2019. Oh, so, I mean, he's still at it and, 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 you know, good for him. Yeah. Doing stuff. So, and I, my, my question was, how can you do karate kicks and pants that type? My God. How? Something I loved and I'm, I'm with you guys. There's a lot about this movie. I enjoyed it. it, Is it, you know, I just thought it was a really, it's just an enjoyable little movie. Maybe not the absolute best we're going to come across, but it's certainly very fun and enjoyable film. And uh, I liked it. But I love that part where, well, it could be the best. Mark's like, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it could be. Wow. Could be on my wow. top five uh, year. Could movie. be on the top <gasps> five. Ooh, Who knows? Uh oh. But something I loved was David Carradine backed his car up onto the safety rail yeah. in order to change the tire. Mm-hmm. I was like, he didn't have the jack. How, it, how inventive is that? Mm-hmm. That was pretty Not cool. Not sure how well that's going to work with a yeah. rear wheel drive car. Seems to me like that that took a little bit of a leap of faith for me. I was like, hmm, not sure well, if that works, but okay. There goes something I loved. Flush it down the toilet. Oh, you love that, Ryan? Oh, Here's cool. why it could Let never happen. shit on it. Cool. You love that? It's fucking dumb. I don't know, Mark. I remember us entertaining your bullshit theory about the helicopter, but okay. You're right. You're right. You know what, Ryan? Who cares? No, it's cool. Let's not work together. You're right. <laughs> what's why do why does mark hate ryan i don't know because don't i know. love not we my brother <laughs> why why is finally why is uh, cannonball and uh redmond uh why are they against each other we don't know we you're don't know probably because it. the same reason we're against each other ryan <laughs> love mark <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go to things we hated mark what's something you hated other than ryan of course <laughs> And the backing up of the car on that guardrail. That was right. never, that's never going to work. Yeah. Other uh, than anything I loved about the movie, what is something you hated? <laughs> well, something else. Maybe. Uh, well, one of the things I hated, honestly, it's the uh, Sandy and the girls in the van. I just, they're not in the movie very much, which is, which I think is, is oh, a good thing. Don't worry, Ryan. Mark also hates things I love. So. <laughs> oh, cool. He's equal opportunity hate. <laughs> He's he's against just, everything we liked. I just didn't. They didn't have. I I felt like it was. You know, from the minute that you meet them, they're not going to win the race. Right. Like that right. is very much clear. And I just, it's just like that old. All women have is their bodies to yeah. take no, advantage of the situation, and I'm like, ugh, ugh. I don't know. 
No, Mary Warrenoff is also like, uh, there's one special feature on the DVD, which, where she kind of talks about her character, not really having much at all in the yeah. movie. And she, and well, she there wasn't much me. to her character. So she, I talked with her about this before we did. Yeah. The podcast, <laughs> good. So, you guys I mean, have a little chit chat. That's yeah, good. Yeah. No. So I agree. I mean, they don't have uh, like, uh, there's not a lot for them to do in this movie. They, they weren't given much. Right. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, so, I mean, I can, I can see that they, they don't really have a whole lot going on. They do have a one cool stunt where they, where they blast through some, some construction work. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's not, it's not great. No, it isn't. Uh, Erica, something you hated. I think the only thing I hated, and it's probably just because it didn't really make sense to me, was I really hated the country singer and his mom, question mark? Yeah, or manager. Or manager. Yeah, Yeah, the momager. Being in the car with Redmond, I didn't think it added anything. And I didn't, it wasn't funny enough to be like, (laughs) it didn't make any sense. There was no no reason that I gathered of why they were even there with him, like just getting a ride, they but also recording along the way. I just, I, they mentioned one line where they said they sponsored him. They, they were sponsoring him and this took another viewing, but he's when he's recording, he's recording for the radio. So somehow they're picking him up on local radio stations and that's how they're, I think, making money to pay for his cross-country Got race. it. Okay, that was how not clear to it, me. How they were doing it, I'm assuming, was because of... they. I know they were on the radio because they're being talked to by a radio DJ at one point, but it's very confusing. And I don't see how them in a moving vehicle, especially at that point in time, is going to make particularly good radio. I, it just... I, feel it's gonna sound like complete shit but, yeah yeah you know i, I hated know. that that was mark is shaking his head part. about the whole whole thing so mark no i i agree i mean there are whole sections of the la area that i can't get a single bar of cell phone reception and you're oh. going to tell me that in the middle right. of the country you're going to be able to record live music in a moving vehicle in 1975, mm-hmm. we're yeah. talking we're talking the That's middle a, of the country, Los Angeles. Let's be yeah. clear, right? Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying like Burbank, uh, it, going into Deep Glendale. You're, yeah. there's yeah. no way you're going to Pasadena is a dead zone. Yeah. So it let's has, just say that absolute uh, <laughs> dead zone. It's the worst. To, to that end, this is something I didn't like. We could have had, and as much as it's fun to have Carl Gottlieb there, the writer of Jaws. We could have had less with him and his affair. Yeah. We know they're just, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, if you look at like airplane, I think always one of the greatest jokes I thought in airplane was that when uh, Robert Hayes drives up to the airport, he's in the cab and he's like, keeps the meter running. And then he's like, I'll be right back. And then he goes through the whole thing. He gets Mm -hmm. on the airplane. He does the whole thing. And then like at the tail end of the movie, they cut to the guy in the cab and he's like, well, I'm giving him another five minutes and then I'm out of here. <laughs> like it's, it's such a great bit because they leave it. And I almost felt like they could have left Carl Gottlieb yes. saying goodbye to his family, seeing him like get the car in the plane and then just seeing him drive up and be like, well, it was a wonderful race. You know, like I feel like that could have done it. Having the whole thing with the mistress, just yeah. it. What it, it did is it. we took more time from those other characters that I think we're all wishing yeah. had more screen time. Yeah. So for me, like again, I'm nitpicking here for sure because I enjoyed the movie. So I'm just kind of finding little things. I'm like, eh, I could have had less of this. 
and had more of other things mm-hmm. which we didn't get. But like, I, I'm just I enjoyed the movie, so I'm just tr- finding yeah little bits. No, and pieces, I think that's a good you know? nitpick, and I think it honestly would have been funnier. To have it just be that of like, hey guys, yeah. where you been this whole time? Yeah, and then, and then have like, I don't know, this wasn't in there, but maybe have a moment with the helicopter guys where they're like, hey, we found him, like <laughs> where right. they just finally right. see him on the finish line. Right. But having him have a mistress just made it like, ew, he has this mistress. He has kids. Like to me, it just made it took it sucked all the comedy out of it and just made it this like, uh. Well, like it, even if we had just seen a little bit of the mistress and because, of course, the end of how they know instantly that he cheated is because, you know, she's like, oh, I left the champagne bottle on the plane. So if she would met him on the plane and then we saw them go into their like motel room, but then they like we see them in the bathtub. We see them like having sex. We see like it's like we don't need. Yeah, it's a not whole, funny. We know what they're doing. Yeah. We get it like. But I think that they were trying to, they were doing that because someone found that last joke about her leaving the champagne bottle on the plane and the whole like bit at the end as like, oh, we've got to really make that pay off because that's super funny. But I don't think it's very funny. I think it's just kind of a dumb bit at the end. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It would have been funnier if we, if you got on the plane, even with the mistress, but we never covered the hotel or anything. And then you just pulled up and it would have been even funnier if he actually won. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. congratulations. Like, I would have been amazing if yeah. you'd been the winner. Yeah. So many right. other funny choices. That was the least funny one. Uh, let's go into our favorite scene. Mark, we may have tipped the scales for you already. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene, without question, is when Paul Bartel's character is eating KFC and he's talking about how he hasn't eaten this in so long. Because he's he's been trying to lose weight, and yep. he's like, I feel like I've gained all the weight back. And at one, and he's like, Do do I look fat? And they're like, Yeah, you do. And Sylvester Stallone's like, Yeah, but you look good, fat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Paul yes. Martel's like, Paul Martel puts the chicken wing down. He's like, Oh, I'm not eating this ever again. <laughs> and I thought, I thought he's the, here's the this guy who is like head of this mafioso who presumably is going to kill anyone who screws him over in this deal. And you're seeing such a moment of insecurity with like with him, with him and his friends of him right. being like, Oh God, I've been trying to lose weight, but I don't, I think I look terrible. Like you don't, <laughs> you never get like yeah. uh, Tony Soprano never really had that moment. Right. right. So yeah. I found I it charming. I found it charming and really funny. And the fact that Sylvester Stallone is uncredited in, in this movie and just and has, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And has, and they're both in that scene. I don't think Martin Scorsese has a, no, he, I think he has one line. No, he Sylvester has like two Stallone lines, has like yeah, two the very beginning. Yeah. And that's it. And then we never see them again. Yeah. Right. That's it. Which, right. So great. Just brought them in for like a second to to do that scene. It is a good one. Erica, your favorite scene? That was also a favorite scene of mine. In addition to that scene, I also love the fight scene in the like gas station store. Yes. Because they yeah. just destroy the store. Right. They're like pulling down all the shelves and kicking things over and pushing it. And I love it that that the shop owner or, you know, the old man that's there's like, ah, ah. <laughs> but he doesn't ever try to run out, but he's still just like, oh, oh no. And then I love that uh, that David Carradine's character, Coy, tries to pay at the end. 
He's like, With just like some change. Yeah. Tries to give him some change to pay and he's trashed it's like the place. Five bucks. It so gives him like uh, five bucks and fifty cents. And the guy at that point up. you see the guy behind there has a shotgun and he's yeah. like that that'll do. Yeah. It's How like, much would that be in like today's dollars? Like five dollars it's still five dollars. It's still five cents. you can bust yeah. up an entire yeah. like, you know, gas station convenience store and you're like, here's five bucks. But also, cents. why didn't he get out that shotgun way sooner? <laughs> break up the fight sure. like i don't for know sure. i just loved everything about that i yeah. thought it was hilarious ryan for me the fit my favorite scene and this is also uh Par Bar- paul bartell's favorite scene it's when dick miller is getting beat up while uh, paul bartell plays the piano oh yeah and sings <laughs> like that's just <laughs> the one where you're talking about feeling terrible like i yep. feel bad yeah <laughs> it's it's so great it's yeah, so great. great it's a really good <laughs> paul bartell moment i mean we got dick miller that guy in so many of these movies just getting his ass whooped it was like this is so great this is such a great scene all right let's get into final questions these are our final questions for, oh, for cannonball. cannonball so guys i gotta ask you how many times did you take an acoustic guitar on a road trip and play it <laughs> Zero times because I don't know how to play guitar, nor do I own an acoustic guitar. But how many I times think... did I take a saxophone on a road trip? <laughs> None. Zero times. Zero times. Mark? Uh, I I have a, a acoustic guitar in the room that I'm sitting in right now, and I never play it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. A road trip, that's just going to take a valuable trunk space. Yeah. yeah I, I Maybe that's a thing in the 70s because we had at least two cars with that thing happening. So I was just like, is this a thing? Um, This might be something Mark might know. I'm not sure. How expensive is it to ship your entire car to New York from California? On a plane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's because he's, he's basically hired a giant... That's yes. like a plane that's going to carry a tank. Yes. Like you are cutting in, say you win the $100,000, which he doesn't. But let's say you win it. You're cutting into that significantly. Yeah, you have to right. be. That's right. expensive, I got to think. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, Where do you think they are in the country where there's no fan belt to buy for 200 miles? <laughs> West Covina? Yeah. Dunno. <laughs> Do not know. No. Barstow? I don't know. Where are mm. they? It's so also I don't think tape is gonna hold up for two hundred miles at all. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. two, but not two hundred. Yeah. Follow up then. What kind of he also mentions he's like, Oh, I have some tape. What tape does he have on him? Scotch? Duct? <laughs> yeah, some <What>? blue painters <laughs> some blue painters tape. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was just wrapping some birthday presents in the back. <laughs> when Butel blows up the police car, would one can of gasoline been enough? <laughs> he Does he need to use all three? Yeah. Is what I'm asking. I know. I mean, why not? Yeah, if you if you have the three at the ready. Don't you want to, I mean, you don't want to use one and not do a thorough enough job. So you might yeah. as well do three and overdo it. felt like he got swept it. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, swept but, up. But to your point, you're going to have to pull over many times to refuel. 
my assumption when he was putting those gas cans in his car was that this is an attempt to, I can pull over the side of the road and I already have the gas can and I can just put that in the car and then just keep going. I don't have to sit there, pay a guy, do the whole thing. I can slow down that sort of time that I'm spending by having the gas. And then when he sees that opportunity, he throws all the gas cans out. I was like, what was the point of those gas cans? Yeah, how high was he on gas fumes? He was just like, <laughs> he was like, I, I got to get rid of these things. I got to get yeah. rid of these things. The gas tanks that are in my trunk of my car, I clearly label for car for cop car so that I don't, I don't ever confuse the two. So I, if he had just done that, if he had got a different kind of tape, he could have written that on the tape. That's right. And put it yeah, on the, that's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, he didn't, yeah, he didn't have the tape. He needed to go to that gas station. All right. Um, so when Buckman runs back into Linda and Zippo, what's the mountain range behind them? <laughs> Those are the probably San Gabriel mountains. <laughs> And I'm a hundred percent it's the same Gabriel Mountains, but what mountain range is it supposed to be? What were they thinking that that would fall Appalachia? In for? Yeah. Ap- Smoky Mountains? The Smoky Mountains? I mean, yeah. are they yeah, sure. is that what they thought? Yeah. yeah, you bet. I mean, it doesn't look they were like having a se- they were having a severe drought in the Smokies that year. <laughs> um so and and finally. How pissed are Panama and the kid, played by Alan Arkish and Joe Dante, how pissed are they that Buckman never mentioned that he won the race in their car? It was the one stipulation yeah, they had. The one thing it was they the asked. one thing they said, just make sure you mention our names. And he doesn't. Yeah. How mad are they? But he didn't win. I mean, he did win. He says he wins. And he runs off with a guy who says, you're going to be our sponsorship. Let's go talk. He just never actually puts his time but he, card. But then he in. didn't win because he, in order to win, you have to punch the ticket. But I think what, what Carradine says is that I won the race. He is like saying, symbolically, I won the race. My point is, I don't think the press is going to cover that. And the whole idea was to get their name in the press. Mm. And, the, and the only way the press is going to cover it is they're going to cover who won the race. Got and that was, that was the other... Kara Dong, who won the race. <laughs> as long as one Kara Dong wins the race. So the point is, they're oh, not nice. pissed because it never gets brought up that he won the race. No, in their they're car. pissed because they're like, how the fuck did we lose? Right, exactly. Okay, good. But yeah, yeah. Erica, are they pissed? Yeah, I think they're pissed. I think they're pissed because that was their one rule and he never says it. And it's pretty lame of him that he never says it. Very lame of him. Because that was kind of their thing for handing over the car. Like you give us your wrecked car, you take this one, just be sure you say our name, like help us get advanced. It's an asshole. Told you it's a character study in assholes. You're right. I was about to say, this is a, this is a bunch of male Mm -hmm. assholes in this Mm -hmm. movie. Let's just dive in quickly to the research. In terms of the New World timeline, this is released a month after, or not a month after, but a couple months after Eat My Dust and Jackson County Jail, which were released in April 1976. And then The Great Texas Dynamite Chase is released in August. So racing movies. Big. Very big here in 1976. It's actually released a month before Warner Brothers' The Gumball Rally, which also took its inspiration from the Cannonball Race. So it was at least the first to this topic, but certainly not the last. It wasn't like an enormous success, but it was enough of a success that it paid back its investors, in which there were many. 
And it did lead Bartel to go through like five years of projects where he was like writing and coming up with all these projects, all of which were never made, but they were all projects he was like trying to get off the ground. So it it definitely helped him into a lot of different projects. It just, none of them eventually saw the light of day. So what did he make after this that was actually made? I, I think after this essentially is when he goes into eating Raul. Wow. And that's like 83 or something like that. Yeah. Like there's a, that's a 82, pretty big gap. 82 is eating Raul. So in the meantime, he's like going through, so 1976, 1982, just five years of trying to make stuff. And then he's acting in a bunch of things. He's obviously in rock and roll high school. He's in Piranha, but he's, he, he's trying to like get other projects off the ground. So that's, and then eventually gets sick and tired of it all and just says, okay, but this is also his last movie for new world that he direct. No, not the last movie he directed for new world. He directs also Lust in the Dust, but that's after Corman has sold the company. So it's the last movie he makes for Corman, I believe. Now, uh, as I said before, is this the most New World movie to ever New World? It might be if it weren't a co-production. Now, this movie was initially at Fox. A producer, Sam Gelfman, brought it to Fox. He had decided to make this. He actually was a co-producer of Cockfighter and Caged Heat with new world and he'd working with this other company decided to go off on his own, start his own company called cross country productions and make a movie based on the cannibal, a cannibal uh, race. And so he's like, goes to Fox starts this hires Bartel and Carradine off of the success of death race 2000. But however, it gets dropped at Fox. So Gelfman gets financing from the Shaw brothers company in Hong Kong producer Gustav uh, Bernie's company Harbor Productions Inc which is actually credited as the copyright holder at the end credits and Gelfman's own company obviously cross country productions and then they go uh, to New World and they are finally the last investor and they are the distributor of the film in the United States and Gelfman is also plays one of the guys in the helicopter watching the race huh. Had to refill a lot in that cross-country trip. I mean, how did they get over the Rockies? I, I don't... I they mean, didn't need to because they were just in the San Gabriel Mountains. So it was yeah. very... Oh, oh, that's true. They that's never true. had Easier. Large mountain Easier. Range. Yeah, got it, got it. So that's why this is like... It's, co- it's co-produced by a bunch of things. And I think the reason why they kind of went to them last is apparently Paul Bartel and, and Corman had a bit of a falling out because of Death Race 2000. I don't know what exactly that beef was. Maybe at some point we'll figure out what that was, but I don't know 100% what that is. I could assume the fact that, as we mentioned in Death Race 2000, when we discussed it, Paul Bartel thought he was making a comedy. Uh, Corman wanted a action movie. Of course, nowadays, Corman says, oh, I always wanted to make an action comedy. But I think at the time he wanted something a little bit more tough and action oriented and Paul Bartel mm-hmm. wanted to make something more satirical and funny. And so maybe that's why he was like, I don't want to deal with Corman, but eventually he does deal with Corman for this movie. Now let's speak about this race. And so Mark, you may know some stuff about this race as well, but this, the race itself is based on the cannibal Baker sea to shining sea Memorial trophy dash, which is started in 1971. It's otherwise known, of course, as the Cannibal Run. The course actually went in reverse. So it was actually going from the East Coast to the West. 
starting at the Red Ball Garage on East 31st Street in Manhattan and ending at the Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach. Hmm. It was started by racing writer uh, Brock Yates and car and driver editor Steve Smith as a hmm. protest against the 55 mile per hour speed limit. Huh. And the first one was not a competition. It was driven by Yates and Smith and a couple other people. They just sort of did it on their own. So it was kind of the first race, but it wasn't really a competition. They did that in early 1971. And then later in November of 1971, they did the first competitive run of this race. And guess who won? Brock Yates, the guy who started it all. Mm. Technically, American racing legend uh, Dan Gurney won the race, but Brock Yates was his second driver. So, I don't know. So, the race was won three more times. They only did three more times after that, and they ended it it all in 1979. Why did it end? Not 100% why. But I can only guess that it's because Yates was getting busier as a screenwriter because he wrote Smoking the Bandit 2, as well as the Cannonball Run. Yes, he so, did. Yeah. So yes, that so Brock Yates starts this unofficial race that he also won, and then he wrote a movie about it. But he was basically like maybe the third guy to write a movie about it. So it's all good. We can't we can't hate on you for it. So the the Cannonball Run is still something that they do sort of compete in. Sort of un- again, it's still an unofficial thing. Unofficial, yep. So, still something that's going on. Still a thing where they're trying to find uh, a better and better timing for this race. Just a couple of side notes of some of the crew members. This movie was uh, the director of photography was Tak Fujimoto, who we might remember from our uh, interview with Harley Coakless because he he shot Harley's Chicago Blues documentary. Nice, which is one of his first projects, and. He also worked on Death Race 2000 and Caged Heat for New World. And this was his last job for New World before he moved on to Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Silence of the Lambs and Sixth Sense. In fact, he was really Jonathan Demme's go-to cinematographer. And then he became sort of a go-to for a time, at least, uh, the cinematographer for M. Night Shyamalan. Also, wanted to point out uh, Chuck Russell was the second unit PA on this. And this is one of his earliest jobs before eventually he produces girls just want to have fun. And then goes on to direct nightmare on Elm street three and the blob and other projects wow. like that. So um, just, you know, was pointed out just so I, I could have done a lot more uh, research into all the different people came coming out of this movie, but I just wanted to point out a few highlights of people that also worked on this movie at that time. And that is Cannonball! Cannonball! Or it could have been just like, uh, asshole dudes just want to have a pretty good time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's the remake, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think so. Oh, for sure. If the remake of Slumber Party Massacre showed us anything, it's time for dudes just want to have fun. Which, if you <laughs> remember from Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the song that they have in there, it's Girls... And boys just want to have fun. (laughs) So it's fair. It's fair game. The boys just want to have a good time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A pretty good time. Just (laughs) pretty good time. Um, Anyway, that's it for Cannonball. Cannonball. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to us wherever you listen. You could also leave us a review. I say this a lot and we don't get a lot of reviews. So if you could leave us a review, I cannot stress how much that would help us if you did. 
But more importantly, subscribe. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here for this episode. Let us know what you thought of Cannonball. Cannonball. And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody.